This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge is sponsored by IATA Training. More than 1 million students have boosted their aviation careers with them. Visit www.iata.org training to discover how they can help your aviation career. That's iata.org training. The first quarter for European Airlines is historically a challenging one, and Q1 2017 was no exception. Only three individual airlines have posted an operating profit in the calendar first quarter. Those carriers were British Airways, Swiss, and Ryanair. Ryanair posted a 6% margin, and British Airways chalked up an 8% margin. Seth, how good are those numbers? Very good. Okay, we'll dig a little deeper into those results. I'm Jason Cottrell, Vice President of Airline Weekly. And I'm Seth Kaplan, Managing Partner of Airline Weekly. Besides Ryanair and BA, we'll check in on Air France, KLM, Wizz Air, and plenty of other good stuff. It's all coming up on the Airline Weekly Lounge. Thanks for joining us. I want to start the show with Ryanair, who is just cleaning up. But before we get to that, Seth, I want you to tell us about the fuel situation. Fuel is always a big deal, but in the first quarter, it seemed to define things more than usual, especially when fuel is relatively cheap and you'd think it would be rather benign. In other words, why this quarter especially do we keep hearing about fuel again and again? Well, because, uh, you know, sort of to parse those words that you said, uh, you said, you know, it's, yeah, historically cheap. So, yeah, cheap compared to most periods in history, but not cheap compared to one very important period of history. And that is the first quarter of a year ago, of 2016, when fuel was actually much cheaper. And so in the context of, uh, for many airlines, still declining unit revenues, falling airfares, uh, these rising fuel prices, yeah, even if they're still, you know, cheap in relative terms, you know, however you want to measure it in, in, in most senses, uh, you know, rising fuel costs and falling airfares are not a recipe for success. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's, yeah, if, if revenues were also rising, then people probably wouldn't be so nervous. But for most airlines anyway around the world, that's not the case right now. And that explains these contracting profit margins we've seen for a lot of airlines, even if many of them are still doing also rather well, historically speaking. Also, really, it, it depends on, on, on markets. Uh, you know, it depends what currency you're trading in. Uh, you, you know, particularly if you are trading in a currency which has weakened, even as fuel in dollar terms has increased, well, then uh, your fuel cost of you know, perhaps skyrocket even though even more than they have for other airlines. On the other hand, if your currency has has strengthened against the U.S. dollar, that would mitigate some of the impact. Another thing that would mitigate some of the impact of these rising spot fuel costs uh, is if you had the misfortune of having a lot of wrong way hedges a year ago, which a lot of airlines did. And so basically, because they sort of paid more for fuel than they should have a year ago, uh, well, now, uh, you know, these rising spot prices for some of these airlines don't look so bad because those bad hedges have worn off uh, even as the spot prices have risen. So getting to Ryanair, here's an airline where fuel was a tailwind. Explain that. Well, it's because of that last thing I said uh, where you know Ryanair did have uh, those indeed bad hedges. And so somehow you know they managed to have a decline in total fuel cost. I'm not talking like per gallon or anything. I mean, their total fuel cost 
declined, uh, even though they grew their available seat kilometer capacity 13% year over year. Uh, and and uh, yeah, so here's an airline. By the way, you know, the, the quick history, Ryanair used to not be all that heavily hedged. I'm talking like, like a decade ago. And I remember being at a conference in London about a decade ago when everybody was criticizing Ryanair for not having hedged jet fuel because, you know, the paradigm then, Jason, was that hedges were just like a discount on jet fuel because jet fuel had been going up, up, up for, you know, seven or eight years at that point. And basically, the more heavily hedged you were, the less you paid for jet fuel. And I remember the the, uh, the moderator of, 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 a, of a panel asking, uh, Ryan, I believe it was, it was Ryanair's CFO, who was Howard Miller. He said, you know, can you explain why you cocked up the, the fuel hedge uh, policy? <laughs> it was, was his words. And they were just kind of apologizing for it because, you know, because everybody agreed that it was a mistake to not have hedged fuel more heavily. Well, of course, since then, we've seen the world's actually more complicated than that. Hedges are not an automatic discount. Far from it. Uh, all they do is help you control your fuel costs. They make them more predictable. Uh, but many times in recent years, all that's been is predictably more expensive. And sure enough, Ryanair, after that experience, when fuel was just on its way up, up, up through 2008, became a more aggressive hedger uh, and, and was then on the wrong side of things a year ago. Now, you know, and I'm sure you want to get to the, the to the bigger picture next. We all know that uh, you know Ryanair is doing just fine, uh, but one area where they have not been a leader is in fuel costs, uh, specifically because yeah, uh, they were more heavily hedged than in retrospect they would have liked to have been. So, getting back to their six percent operating margin, how how did the quarter shape up otherwise? Well, yeah, it, it uh, was a very good quarter. You mentioned in the intro, you know, the only, um, I think you said three airlines in, in Europe made money. And when we say airlines, we're talking even just units of airline companies, uh, the, you know, the British Airways and Swiss were the others. There's obviously just individual airlines within large groups and Ryanair. Um, so when we say only three of them were in the black at all, uh, you know, among all the dozens of, uh, of of European airlines uh, then to be up in the high single digits uh, you know with six percent is is indeed rather impressive uh, you know this is an airline that's just uh, strategically uh, you know right where it wants to be in terms of taking advantage of the weakness of others um, you know when something goes wrong for somebody else Ryanair's there when something goes wrong in a market Ryanair uh, some, sometimes they take advantage in terms of you know, getting a big deal better deal from airports, uh, for example. And uh, they keep, you know, I mentioned before, uh, 13% uh, ASK capacity growth. You know, when you're growing that rapidly, you're just becoming more and more efficient. Uh, and, and so this is an airline that that continues growing down its cost uh, and still doing okay on revenue. Uh, I mean, revenue pressure, yes. Uh, and in fact, that's why, by, by the way, at 6% margin, was, was it slipped fractionally from a year earlier um, because of... of uh, Revenue pressure, basically, its its uh, revenue is flat despite the uh, increase in capacity. Operating costs to total operating costs rose about one percent, so slightly lower profits. But uh, um, you know, obviously, most airlines around the world would like to have Ryanair's problems. And all their success has led to some aggressive growth plans. Is aggressive the right word? Yeah, thirteen percent for an airline that's uh, already as big as Ryanair is is uh, is very aggressive, and and they're not looking to let up on that uh, too much. Their their long term capacity growth plan is for seven to nine percent annually, well into next decade, and and that's a lot for an airline that's already 
this big. Uh, and, and, you know, the factions speak louder than words. Look, this is an airline that is trying to accelerate its its aircraft deliveries. All around the world are airlines right now that to varying degrees, um, uh, you know, some more publicly than others, um, some more dramatically than others, are, are slowing their aircraft deliveries. I mean, you have some, you know, deferring big orders, others just kind of pushing back delivery dates and so forth. Ryanair has told Boeing, hey, we, we will take uh, these aircraft as, as quickly as, as we can get them. And that includes eventually those uh, 737 MAX 200 uh, that's those are the, uh, the 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 highly densified version uh, of the 737-800. What if if anything does Ryanair have to worry about? There's Brexit, of course. What else? Yeah, with Brexit, look, it, it's it's more all of the economic uncertainty overall than Brexit per se in terms of traffic rights and that sort of thing. At least as far as we could tell. Um, you know, the thing that's probably most threatened. Uh, for a European carrier, which which Ryanair is based in Ireland, is intra UK flying. That that makes about that's about one percent of of, uh, of of Ryanair's total capacity flights that take off from somewhere in the UK to somewhere else. Uh, uh, in you know, from somewhere in Scotland to somewhere in in, in England, for example, and so uh, you know, Northern Ireland, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so. Uh, so, so in terms of traffic rights, I mean, unless there's something beyond anything that any of us can imagine in terms of even flights between Europe and the UK being threatened, which, hey, I guess, you know, anything's possible in that case, that would that would be a threat to everybody. But, you know, assuming the big question right now is just sort of those intra-UK flights for, 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 a, for a non-UK airline, for a European airline. Um, Ryanair has a lot less to worry about than, for example, EasyJet, which as a UK airline uh, actually has a ton of intra-European service. I mean, EasyJet's going to establish another operating certificate and, and it will probably be fine too. But uh, yeah, it, it's just more sort of the, the broader economic uncertainty. Uh, in the shorter term, look, uh, these recent attacks in the UK, um, probably a bigger deal for for long haul service, you know, for inbound tourism, for example, uh, than they are for an airline like Ryanair, where uh, you know London is more of an originating type of place for Ryanair. You know, when, when there's a flight from London down to Malaga, I mean, it's it's people flying from the UK down there. And so, uh, you know, probably less of a concern, but not, none of that. Uh, I mean, the, the human toll, of course, first and foremost, um, uh, the, the side and just in terms of the business for airlines, uh, you know, none of that is, is good, too. And then there's just everything. Everybody has to worry about air traffic control, um, you know, strikes uh, at, the, at airports and and with uh, air navigation providers, um, you know, those those impact Ryanair, too. Um, but uh you know, again, this is an airline whose whose business model is is uh, uh, seems to be as as uh, impermeable as as any around. Another airline that is awaiting the Brexit shakeout is BA, who's enjoying a bit of a renaissance lately. British Airways posted an eight percent margin, the best we saw in Europe in the first quarter. Is this more the same of what we've seen in recent years from them? Yeah, re- really impressive. This is an airline that. Um, uh, you know, perhaps no coincidence now led by Alex Cruz, uh, the former CEO of Whaling. Uh, you know, he led Whaling for a long time, uh, led it to a position where, uh, well, where IAG wanted to acquire it because it, it was, uh, uh, you know, a very successful low cost carrier. Um, and now here's BA, uh, you know, 
doing some things that not all passengers like in terms of uh, you know, seat density and short haul flights and, and uh, just really kind of unbundling the product more, um, but, uh, but doing it very successfully. And so, uh, you know, it, it was already doing rather well last year uh, in the first quarter, but uh, up significantly from, you know, for example, two years ago, we were talking about more three, four percent margins. Um, and in the first quarter, at least, uh, really the leader among the uh, the IAG carriers. Um, and again, that's that's that, you know, that's, that's a collection of rather successful airlines, um, you know, the, the Air Linguist, Iberia, Voiling itself, no slouches, um, but but British Airways at least in the uh, in the first quarter um, led the pack, and um, and and then look that eight percent margin. By the way, that's that's uh, despite the Easter shift uh, into the second quarter this year, and uh, so yeah, no, they're they're doing um, very well. We noted in Airline Weekly the BA was benefiting from the return of Asian tourists to London as terrorism fears had waned. Am I correct to place the emphasis on was in the wake of two dramatic terror attacks in the UK a week apart from each other? Well, uh, you know, sadly, yeah, uh, to, to, to one degree or another, the, this is going to have an impact. Um, you're right. It took, oh, you know, I, the, you know, kind of kind of, you know, six months to a year for, for the full impact of, of uh, the fears last time to uh, to wear off. And here we are again. Um, you know, you, you had that the attack in Manchester, which was actually the deadlier attack, uh, just intuitively. And I mean, uh, of course, it's way too early to have any data about this. I would say, if anything, the London attack um, uh, might have a, a greater impact on long haul air demand. Um, you know, Manchester, the, the, the awful as it was, you know, you could you could picture somebody in in Northeast Asia say, well, I, I'm probably not going to go to a, a concert in, in, in Manchester. Um, but when you have an attack like the one that we saw in London Bridge, I mean, that's, you know, in terms of symbolism, in terms of terrorists trying to scare people, uh, you know, that, that's that's how you do it. Um, and, and so, uh, yeah, uh, hard to imagine that there won't be uh, at least some impact here. And it would be a carrier like BA, uh, you know, with a lot of inbound uh, long haul traffic, uh, you know, particularly at a time like this where the weak pound had, had been had been good for that sort of thing. And it's kind of shifted it to, you know, outbound becomes a little trickier um, as, as, uh, as, as British nationals have less spending power abroad. Um, but yeah, great time to lure tourists. And uh, you can only imagine that's going to have some impact. Uh, let's hope for their sake uh, that, that it's at least on, on sort of the lower uh, end of, of the range of possibilities. For some good news, we can look to Paris, where Air France KLM had a pretty good first quarter. But before we get to that, let's thank our sponsor, IATA Training. Did you know that 36 million new aviation-related jobs will be needed in the next two decades? Offering over 350 aviation-related courses, IATA can help you take advantage of this huge opportunity and boost your career. And even better, if you register more than three months in advance, you can save 20% on course fees. Terms and conditions apply. Visit iata.org slash training for details and start shaping your career in aviation. That's iata.org slash training. Back to Air France KLM, they posted a negative 3% operating margin for the first quarter. Of course, that doesn't sound too good, but in Airline Weekly, we referred to it as a welcome glimpse of sunshine. 
it's amazing what happens when your employees don't strike. And that explains a lot of it. Uh, you know, a rather clean quarter in that regard operationally. Uh, that's that's a rarity for that company, uh, considering the labor tensions that it uh, often faces and that it still faces in some regards here. Um, but yeah, to, uh, you know, everybody's working in, in the first quarter and, and that helped a lot. Uh, that negative that 3% was actually down um, fractions of, of a percentage point from a year earlier. But, you know, you had the Easter shift. Uh, you know, Easter shifted, as I mentioned before, from the first quarter to the second quarter. Um, and Air France, uh, KLM said, sure enough, that the basically what they lost in March, they they gained in April. So that's that's hopeful news here uh, for for the current quarter. Um, and uh, look, you know, it, it uh, you mentioned almost all European airlines lost money, so so a negative three uh, percent, not that bad. They still are at the bottom uh, of the of the. The three legacy airline companies, that's a little less than three points worse uh, than Air France, KLM, or than Lufthansa, I should say. Uh, But, you know, for a while there, it was sort of, you know, I think we're sort of waiting to see where the bottom was uh, for for this company. And and I, I think you can be cautiously optimistic that maybe, yeah, maybe maybe they're they're uh, they're gaining their footing here and uh, doing OK. Now, uh, they are another one, by the way, um, where fuel was actually a help because they had wrong way hedges uh, a, a year earlier. So between, you know, when you net it all out currency and all the rest of it, they um, they actually did not pay. Uh, you know, like a lot of other airlines did significantly uh, more for fuel. Uh, you know, their their labor costs uh, dropped. And, and that's emblematic of a trend that some of the European airlines are experiencing, very different from the U.S., kind of a reverse of a decade earlier. Uh, U.S. airlines were slashing their costs, uh, you know, in bankruptcy. Uh, European airlines had, had uh, in many cases, rising labor costs. Now it's uh, the opposite. U.S. Ca- carriers giving their employees the raises that they promised them way back then when they said, hey, stick with us and we'll you know, we'll make you whole when, when things are better. And, and it's the uh, European airlines, legacy airlines anyway, uh, asking for uh, concessions from their workers. And, and Air France, is, Air France KLM rather, has uh, certainly uh, been doing that. We had a cover story last week about the struggles at Transavia, and in that story we mentioned, as we have numerous times on the show over the years, that Qantas's low-cost Jetstar is uh, just about the only low-cost carrier that's spun off from a mainline carrier that has been successful. It dawned on me, although that we've mentioned it numerous times, I don't think I ever asked you, what's the secret to Jetstar's success? Do they enjoy some environmental advantage or something? Yeah, and just to be clear, Transavia, for anybody who doesn't know, because you know some people from outside Europe might not, that that's a, a low-cost uh, carrier owned by uh, Air France KLM, or more precisely, two. There's a French side and a, and a, and a Dutch side, uh, and it's a, a long and... and Mostly sad story, um, but yeah, Jetstar. Um, it, it's it you know it's, it's worth studying because uh, you know anybody who wants to do this right, you know, would would want to look at that airline. Um, and uh, look, I, you know, they seem to have given it the right amount of uh, commercial freedom while still allowing it to benefit from Qantas's scale. You know, when it comes to aircraft purchasing, for example, uh, still allowing it to benefit from Qantas Frequent Flyer, a very powerful loyalty program, um, and, and so yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, I think it it really uh, comes down to that. Um, it, it has genuinely lower costs. 
and sometimes that's been the problem over the years. You know, it, uh, you know, um, you know. You th- I mean, you could name a lot of these. You know, Delta Song, where you know, by the time they got done, you know, they couldn't get the pilot deal to have lower pilot costs and the whole bunch of other. You know, by, by the time they were done, it was just a, a lower revenue carrier, lower fare carrier, not really a lower cost carrier. This is one that genuinely has uh, lower cost and 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 mostly and all. Legacy airline companies say this when they start one of these things, but almost none of them actually achieve it. Sort of, really, kind of is um, the uh, uh, the best of, of both worlds, if you'll if you'll uh, uh, pardon the uh, cliche. But uh, you know, it, it is a uh, consolidated airline market where you have uh, you know very weak competition. Virgin Australia, we've talked about it in other episodes, just just uh, just a real mess. And so uh, you know, it certainly cautious anybody about thinking that this is you know this is an example of 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 how you know the, the, of how well this can work. Uh, you know, I I think uh, some of it is good execution, and some of it maybe just uh, uh, market circumstances. I, I still think airlines have to be careful um, about being too optimistic. Uh, when launching one of these operations, uh, give Qantas credit, though you're right, the Jetstar has been good. And for more on that, you can see this week's Airline Weekly cover story. Uh, it's one I think a lot of people will be interested in. It's about the low-cost long-haul model and how its sudden popularity doesn't necessarily imply profitability. Check it out if you can. Shifting gears, I want to talk about Israel's El Al for a moment, which I guess is appropriate considering that... Coincidentally, Seth happens to be joining us today from Tel Aviv. I am. I, I didn't fly a lot here, though. I'm sorry to say. How's the weather? <laughs> Weather's good. Uh, yeah, uh, and, and Turkish Airlines actually was 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 a, was a great way to get here. It's it's uh, you know people who people who don't arrive here on El Al uh, often arrive. Uh, Turkish and Aeroflot are the uh, numbers two and three very close uh, uh, carriers. Just uh, Putting a ton of capacity in here from their hubs, and they're kind of one stop to the world, and that's how that's how I got here from uh, from Washington. All right. Well, El Al had a fairly lousy first quarter, and it wasn't because Seth didn't fly. <laughs> it was because they paid more for fuel. Uh, there's that word again. Uh, they chalked up a negative eight percent operating margin, slightly worse than last year's negative seven percent. They're facing a lot of competition from a lot of directions, a lot even for the airline industry. Seth, is it a crisis? I don't know if it's a crisis, but um, this is an airline where a few years ago seemed to sort of be turning the corner, and uh, and now that is is you know sort of the opposite of what I said about Air France KLM, right? You know, where for them it's looking more, a little more hopeful. For all it's it's um, uh, yeah, it, it it it's been tough. Um, they uh, you know, they grew their ASK capacity five percent, and yet their revenues fell six percent. Uh, so that's a, a a pretty significant uh, unit revenue decline, um, and you know there's just all this new competing capacity here. Um, you know Ryanair uh, flying not just to secondary airports like Avda, but you know also now Tel Aviv. And that was one thing, by the way, when I when I uh, when I landed here. You know, you kind of, sometimes it, it 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 sometimes you know you 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 know you know what what's happening somewhere, but it really kind of sinks in when you see, um, and it's this is last time I was here it was fourteen years ago, and so landing this time and right next to the right next to our flight there was EasyJet parked there, you know, then you just sort of saw all that and you understand why yeah it, it is a different world now, um, for El Al, um, you know they're optimistic about uh, they're getting their first Dreamliners, um. 
flying out to Miami. That's one uh, new sort of headline uh, headline route for them. Uh, market where there's there's certainly a good amount of demand. Um, and the Dreamliner will enable uh, you know markets that just can't work with uh, with larger aircraft. You know, then the, the they're doing a lot of the other things that airlines uh, do to try to improve their situations. Uh, you know, de- developing their loyalty plan, uh, de- co-branded credit cards, and so forth. But uh, yeah, for now, anyway, the competitive situation has just made life very, very tough for LL. Wizz Air didn't do as well as its rival Ryanair, posting a negative six percent operating margin. And we were talking about an airline that made a small profit in the same quarter a year ago. But still, there's no reason for concern here, is there? Not at all. Uh, you know, this is one of the more successful airlines around. You know, an ultra LCC, not, nothing. You know, the, the, nothing fancy, but just just executing the uh, the business model um, uh, very very well. Uh, look, they do have a lot of UK exposure. Brexit, um, depending on what happens, uh, you know, in terms of immigration flows, a lot of Wizz Air's business is you know carrying people back and forth between Eastern Europe and and uh, London, for example. Uh, so you know that that that'll matter if you just have less people flowing, for example, into uh, into the UK and going back home to visit their families in in Poland or wherever. Uh, but no, they're they're uh, they're doing very very well. They always uh, lose money in the first quarter, and they always make money uh, for the year. I think they had uh, what was it, seventeen eighteen percent? What they have for uh, full year two thousand sixteen? We find it here. Yeah, 17% uh, and change margin. Uh, and, and that was uh, despite, yeah, losing, uh, break, basically breaking even uh, with a uh, fractionally positive um, operating margin in uh, the first quarter of 2016. So, um, so I should correct myself. I said they always lose money. They uh, they, they they had a 0.46% margin in the uh, first quarter last year. My apologies. And like Ryanair, they are growing. They are um, very rapidly, uh, you know, seventeen percent more uh, ASK capacity in their case. A uh, smaller airline still than Ryanair, of course. Ryanair, at points in its history, was was growing at a uh, closer clip to that. But uh, you know, and and that, by the way, was was one reason why um, they why their margins did slip. Um, you know, their nineteen percent growth, uh, just a nine percent um, increase in, uh, in 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 revenues. So uh, so some yield pressure there, uh, unit revenue pressure. Uh, you know, so far, generally, they uh, see opportunity everywhere. You know, an airline that has, uh, yeah, that, that has done a good job of, of sort of swooping in um, and uh, taking advantage of others' weaknesses. And uh, you look around Europe and, uh, you know, there, there's, there's plenty of that out there. Wizz Air does not sell through GDSs, uh, while Ryanair and EasyJet do. Will that change soon? You know, I, I think it will at some point um, in in their development. Um, you know, Ryan and EasyJet didn't always either, um, and and uh, then they just you know once the network became robust enough, you know, you look at it like Ryanair, they look, they realized, hey, you know, at this point, you know, we have a robust enough network with with uh, you know corporate travel friendly schedules in some markets and all the rest of it. Um, let's facilitate getting those people onto our airplanes um some of that was through the you know just sort of the more customer friendly reforms um but then yeah selling through gds's um you know right now whiz uh, if you look at their you know average frequencies in a market uh for example still a, a very infrequent airline you, you know probably not an airline that's going to generate a lot of uh 
a lot of business traffic. Um, you know, maybe not an airline that's going to, even if it were in the GDS, uh, GDS is show up in a lot of searches that people do because it, it does operate from a lot of secondary airports. Um, yeah, I mentioned before Luton being its its uh, big UK base. Um, but I think at some point, you know, they'll get big enough that they realize, look, you know, we're we're in a position to provide some value to business travelers who like to book through, uh, uh, you know travel agencies that uh, in many cases rely uh, very much on GDSs and, and uh, the, you know, I, I think they'll get the right deal and, and they'll do it, uh, the, even though I don't know when. And like Ryanair, Wiz is closely watching the Alitalia drama, like a couple of vultures. Yeah, well, that's what I was talking about before, Jason, when I said uh, sort of, you know, taking advantage of others' weaknesses. Um, you know, Wiz, for example... Uh, remember when Malev, uh, you know, collapsed the heck, half decade or so, or so ago in in uh, Hungary? Well, Wiz was the one that went right in. I mean, Ryanair did too, but but you know, Wiz Air is the biggest airline in Budapest now, uh, and you know, and it's a great example of how you know things will be okay if you let the sick airline you know go. You know, Hungary has plenty of air service. It's it you know, and it doesn't have to be subsidized by uh, Hungarian taxpayers uh, and it's you know low cost uh, and high quality you know just from a reliability perspective and so forth air air service might, might not be fancy um, and yeah uh, both of those are, are are clearly watching what's going on in, in Italy and uh, yeah ready to move in and, and Italy would be fine. Um, you know, it, it's a very popular destination. Um, you know, there's a lot of demand for air travel there. Um, and if anything, you know, the 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 presence of Alitalia probably discourages a lot of other competition because um, uh, yeah, it's it's just hard to compete for the same reason. It's hard to compete against Air India, for example. You know, it's just just um, you know, from from the perspective of other airlines, irrational capacity. And the last question of the day, who else is watching Alitalia? Oh, Legacy Airlines, uh, you know, Lufthansa is watching Alitalia. Um, uh, there, yeah, there, there would be a lot of opportunity to, uh, to, to capture some of that traffic. You know, if some of the, um, look, if Alitalia went away, there, 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 there'd be some long haul routes that are flown from Rome and, and Milan uh, where the demand would be there. Um, let's say to North America, some of that would probably just be backfilled from, uh, from the North American side, you know, Delta would be doing more of it and, and, and so forth. Um, United American and within Europe. Yeah. There, 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 uh, some of that traffic, um, would flow over other hubs. Um, and, uh, yeah, so 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 an airline like Lufthansa, especially, which uh, you know at times over the years has thought about uh, buying Alitalia. I mean, I think at this point, it's I mean, we'll see what happens, but it kind of seems too far gone for um, anybody to be interested. But but yeah, you know everybody's watching. Alitalia is a rather large airline, and if it uh, suddenly went away, that would be opportunity for a lot of other airlines. Probably not all of the capacity would be backfilled because again, part of the point is the, some of it is probably just excess capacity. So you know the the broader industry would benefit from, you know, from, 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 from just having some of that capacity taken out, but, you know, probably two thirds or three quarters or something of it would, uh, would come back in the form of, uh, uh, just more efficient capacity offered by other operators. Whether you're watching Alitalia or not, we thank you for listening to this episode. For Seth Kaplan, I'm Jason Cottrell, and this is the Airline Weekly Lounge. This episode of the Airline Weekly Lounge was sponsored by IATA Training. 
Visit www.iata.org training to discover more than 350 courses to help boost your career in aviation. That's iata.org training.